0: Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on the show.
1: what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 219 of At Tim g three eleven. Yes, we are back after missing our regularly scheduled recording, but I've got a good reason for that, (laughs) which I'm sure we'll get into, but joining me, as always, is Dane. Dane, how's it going?
2: Hey, Tim, it's going good. Um, Glad to be back after all this time. Uh, Glad to be recording and talking to you, and uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I might as well just go ahead and say why we weren't able to record on our normal scheduled uh, recording Saturdays, which was two weeks ago. And that is because I got a new Batmobile name. (laughs) Now it's not the 1989 classic Batmobile. I had to settle for just a minor downgrade for the Honda Civic. But (laughs) I got a brand new car that day. I was trying to plan on getting one kind of around the end of May. And that was kind of the day where it was available and they had available because I kind of did like a scheduling thing to meet and on, I lived like an online, it wasn't like a set of appointment, but I got the ball rolling online and kind of filled out all the uh, forms and stuff that you usually do at the car dealership to kind of get a head start. And then I went down there that Saturday and got it. And it is awesome. I, I love it. It's a, you know, it's nothing like a super fancy car, but it's a Honda Civic sports model, which is really sleek. Look, and I've been wanting, a blue car for the longest time, <laughs> and I Whoa, finally got why? it. Why? Well, blue's, blues <laughs> been my favorite. It's always been my favorite color. I oh. mean, Obi Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, their lightsabers were blue. Leonardo, my <laughs> favorite Ninja Turtle, his bandana's color is blue. So <laughs> I've <I'm> always <laughs> loving the color blue with some of my favorite characters using that color. And for like some of the first cars I got were kind of hand me downs or it was, like my brother's truck, then I inherited it. And then there was a, I, I like the truck. So when I got the last truck I've been using for the last 13 years, <laughs> there was such a great deal on it that I, I wanted to get that one in. It was black, which nothing wrong with black, but I, once I had that and once I knew that truck was kind of on the way down and I was going to be needed to get a new car, so I was like, I'm going to go with a blue this time. <laughs> no matter what, I'm getting a blue car. <laughs> and as soon as I saw the look of that Honda Civic Sport and that angelic Blue color is the technical <laughs> term for the color. I just fell in love with it. And I was like, that's the one I got to get. And I was fortunate enough to get it. So I am real happy about it. I love it.
2: Good. That's good. That's good to hear. Um, so, so, thank- so what I like the... Oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, thankfully, Dane, because I know you got a new car not too long ago. I yeah didn't have to go through all the <laughs> trouble you did about getting that new car. There was one hiccup where... When I filled out all the paperwork there. They called me a few days later saying, hey, you need to come back and sign this form again because a certain way the numbers filled out once we submitted it was incorrect. And now we had to write up the contract again. So we did come down and sign a form. It took like two minutes when I was there, but it took forever to get there because during the weekday traffic <laughs> going there like at the end oh. of the workday took forever. So a little inconvenience, but it was, it was all worth it. But I know you had to deal with a lot more with your. <laughs> so I'm sorry yeah. about that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was the problem was the uh not anything to do with dealership. The dealership handled everything professionally except for one little thing where it was like I uh I didn't have to put that much down because uh uh my I'm not showing off or anything, but my credit is top five percent. Mm-hmm. But uh nice. Uh so I didn't have to put that much down and then uh I paid cash. I had an envelope of cash, which I counted three times to make yeah. sure.
1: <laughs> Only three? Uh, I might have done it like five or ten. <laughs> I
2: uh, I counted it at the bank. Uh, I counted it in the car. I counted it before I went in. And then they told me, when they ran it through the uh, the money counter,
3: uh,
2: um, that I was $100 short. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and... And luckily, I, I just so happened to have a hundred dollars on me, um, and I gave it to them. And then the, the finance person or whatever came back and was like, um, uh, "Oh, it, it, the, the the counter miscounted the money, and um, I hand counted it, and it's all there." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And she gave me back my hundred dollars. <laughs> uh that, that was the only thing. And then, like I said, uh, my my insurance—they uh, put me through the ringer. Uh, it should have <laughs> just been. It, <laughs> it should have just been. I have this car, twenty twenty one, Toyota Corolla.
3: <laughs>
2: this is the trim level. I want uh, full insurance on it. End of story. Right know the they they wanted to go back and forth and like oh is this uh uh we went through like the entire list of all the coverages and everything and every uh you know the sort of a la carte part of uh, the insurance process and then she comes back and then she's like oh i, I don't know if this is e- enough insurance um uh, i have to contact the dealership and i have to contact the bank and I have to make sure that both approve of this insurance and, you know, this whole back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then um, they, they were asking me for my address. They already have my address. <laughs> um, my They asked about my renter's insurance. And I was like, no, I just want to keep it the way it is. And oh man, it was like so much stuff. And like they kept asking me for my where do I live? Where do I live? Do it be, because I use my parents' house as my mailing address because it's more of a solid, you know, address, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm not, I'm not moving around. It's, it's just one thing, and I can re- rely upon it, right? And then they're asking where I lived, and it's like, so I'm taking out renter's insurance on a place that I'm not living at. I mean, is, is that what you think I'm doing? Um, it didn't make any sense and then they they said that they uh they, they needed to go through my insurance policy again because the uh the underwriters needed assurance that i something with the something with the something <laughs> complicated lost track, uh, uh, so i just stopped answering my phone and it seems to be <laughs> it seems to be good it seems to be good so every time i see uh my insurance calling i i just let it go to voicemail and let my voicemail be my uh receptionist oh yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah that's not important so i'm just gonna you know not call that but um yeah i'm, uh, I'm glad to hear you enjoy your car it's, it's weird we got the same car essentially two different companies but the exactly same, exactly yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. same trim level the sports edition um almost same color i got more of a lighter blue or yeah i don't know if you call it a different a gray blue or something you have like it's not the
1: angelic blue
2: (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's kind of weird that we did that
1: independently We didn't even i know yeah but
2: oh yeah
1: it's it's great i'm real happy with it just finally getting the car with like the modern features would have where it's like the touch screen and the usb ports because my truck for the longest time had there's like no usb ports i had one like manually installed right after i got it like around 2009 so that's yeah. where i connected like my ipod but i can never connect my phone to it or anything so it's nice to have that feature it's pretty cool where it has on the touch screen where you can like customize your wall like have a custom wallpaper on there so, right now I got a Captain Rex wallpaper on there, <laughs> which is really always cool, cool to see the first, whenever I start it. That's the first thing I see. Um, <laughs> it's kind of just good to be have a modern car for a change. But.
2: Yeah, it's definitely. I, I did the exact same thing. I had a, a 2000, 2002, 2001, I think, Camry. And the first thing I did was switch out the, the stock radio for a, for a new one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with a USB port. Um, but yeah, it's it's great to have uh, modern features on a car for once. I know.
1: It's, it's um, to answer but, the phone without yeah. picking up your phone <laughs> using the touchscreen yeah. and all that.
2: Oh, right, because the, the Civic also has Apple CarPlay, right? Yeah, I love that feature. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the only The only little nitpick I have w- with that is... I always, my main source of still listening to music is my iPod, because I have one that's like 160 gigs or 120 gigs, something like that. And I have all the songs on there that I want. And the reason I still use it is because I, I do use like Spotify as my streaming app that I use, but there are some songs like rare B sides, unreleased stuff, stuff from soundtracks that aren't available through streaming services like Spotify or Apple Music that I can only listen to on my iPod. And what I always do is when I drive a lot, I just have go through the songs list and just listen to every song a to z um and sometimes like i said not the streaming servers i can't really do that have songs that aren't available on there so i could plug my that's how i want to listen to my music in the car so i there is a i could plug my ipod in there and it works fine but there's a part of me is that man, i really like that apple CarPlay feature it's like if i have my ipod in there i can't use that and i just have to have my phone connected to bluetooth and then i won't get text messages or phone calls to be able to reply and answer on the touch screen so i was like i want to utilize that feature so now i'm in the process of trying to get like almost 5,000 songs i have that were on my ipod that i have on that a to z playlist i gotta kind of import those onto my iphone (laughs) i'm trying to find the quickest way possible so i think i just might use some third-party program to kind of download them onto my desktop or import them to iTunes or something, and then put them on my iPhone so I could have all the songs I want and still utilize the Apple CarPlay feature. So,
2: I mean, that's funny because you, you brought up, uh, sort of going back to what you said, you, you brought up that you had a truck, right? Uh, so like the first thing before I, (laughs) before I decided on just a regular old Corolla was, um, I was going to get a Tacoma. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I was going to get a truck because of where I work, you know, um, it floods a lot. The, the, like the entire road floods. Um, so I was going to get a Tacoma, but I sat on the Corolla, which is funny. But, um, so, so what is your, um, favorite feature of your brand new Honda Civic?
1: Besides the awesome color. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, there's some cool safety features on there, which I, which are a little distracting at first. Where like the thing that senses if you're going out of your lane and it shakes the wheel, like oh man, what's happening? Yeah. Like what the? <laughs> kind of turn. I turn that off. It's a little distracting. But one thing I do like is where if you're getting too close to the car ahead of you, um, it will like a, a sign on the dash will just flash that says brake, brake, and it'll make like a beeping noise to let you know yeah. that you're getting too close. And then it also it'll automatically stops for you if you have that turned on and you don't break, but that's a nice safety feature that I like. But um, yeah, honestly, it's like the little things that I, <laughs> I just like. Like I said, having that customized wallpaper for your touchscreen is really cool that I just like seeing, Right, like I said, I put Captain Rex of Clone Wars on there. It's just cool to see that every time I st- start the car. And it's utilizing those modern features that I'm just not, was never used to before <laughs> with the truck. So it's kind of like really the little things that i appreciate about it right now
2: yeah also the um uh reverse camera i i really like that yeah um, especially if you're in a busy parking lot Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to just look behind you i mean look in the on your screen and see the camera and you know know when you can go and stuff
1: yeah what i like about the car i have that does it has three different views that you could use Kind of a, yeah. a singular straight view, a wide view. But then the one I really like is it has a down view that kind of shows the bottom of the car. And I have a lot of cats and stray animals that kind of go through the driveway that I have. <laughs> Sometimes they like to s- sleep or rest under the truck or the car. And so it just yeah. I usually check beforehand, but still just to have that another option to check as I'm pulling out, just in case one snuck in while I got in the car or something. So I just like having that view where I could see underneath the car while I'm pulling out.
2: Oh so 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 when you so whenever you leave you, you usually like check underneath your car and just make yeah. sure
3: mm.
2: yeah. <laughs> Oh that's good.
1: Yeah, the latest uh, animal we have visiting is a raccoon. <laughs> that's really? like to hang out over where I'm at. So I gotta be careful for raccoons, it? cats, skunks, squirrels. All <laughs> like do to make their ways over the driveway.
2: Or do you do you do you feed 'em or do you just uh
1: yeah, my brother know. does. <laughs> oh, that's when they come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, I, I love animals, but he's like the extreme animal lover in the family. Like, he has to take care of every <laughs> animal he sees almost. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So sometimes it's like, it sucks because you want to help all these animals but at the same time. You kind of have to have a limit to how much you can do before it yeah. becomes way too much <laughs> or you're, Property and yard just becomes almost like a zoo. <laughs> so, I wonder
2: but... if you guys, um, I wonder if you guys lived in Florida. I wonder if he, I wonder if your brother would feed the alligators. <laughs> it seems to be infested over there.
1: It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. One feature, one feature I do like about the, the Corolla and or and, and I think the Civic has it too. Um, the the sports edition uh, Civic is the um <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense why a Corolla would have it, but uh, the the paddle shifters, yeah, where, where you can change the the fake gears, mm-hmm. um, especially for for where I live and where I drive, uh, you know, it's a two lane highway. Uh, there's it's there's traffic, there's a lot of cars, but it's flowing. And there's also buses and like sometimes you're in the right lane and you get stuck behind a bus and you can downshift to give yourself some space to move and then you can upshift to get into the next lane if somebody's
1: coming up fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah, mine has features too, but yeah. I haven't utilized them yet. <laughs> I don't know if I will, but they're definitely there if you a, want to.
2: Takes a, t- takes a minute to get used to, it. especially like especially if you uh totally forget what what mode you're in. I do uh. it, it, the, the, the Civic has the sport mode, right? It's like yeah. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're in the sport mode, and it's like, oh, man, why isn't that car picking up speed? You know, it's like, oh, that's right, I got to shift. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also yeah. have, like, the economy, like, gas save feature on there that you can switch it on. Yeah. Which I haven't used it yeah. all yet either, but uh, in,
2: in the Corolla, it's uh, automatic. And uh, it's it's mostly on the, if you're on a highway or the freeway, mm-hmm. but yeah, great feature.
1: Yeah, so like I said, not quite, our new cars aren't quite up there as new Batmobile models, but still, <laughs> great to have.
2: So, yeah, definitely good to have.
1: Yep. Um, but one place where you won't see any vehicles or cars at is Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so... As we continue our minute-by-minute commentary of the Fellowship of the Ring, I don't think we're going to get any scenes with any new Corollas or Honda Civic Sports models in here. But you never know. Maybe they will add it in a special edition. Special special, special special extended edition. But we're going to go from minute 7 to minute 8 on this episode. So, as always, you want to grab your relevant media format, such as your VHS copy, your Betamax copy, your Laserdisc copy, your DVD copy, your HD DVD copy, your Blockbuster membership card so you can go rent it, your Netflix physical media disc that you just got in the mail today that you've been waiting forever for The Fellowship of the Ring to become available. And it finally was, and they sent it to you, and you can now follow along with our minute, five-minute commentaries. (laughs) Or you could also get your DVHS copy. And our favorite your vhs converted to dvd copy the way it was meant to be seen so pick any of those great options cue it up to the seven minute mark and we can begin this episode's commentary dane are you ready all right i'll give the countdown three two one play we just got a black screen oh, now we see the rings i was worried if this minute would be half of just a black screen and not see anything. (laughs) But we got to another scene. You see young Bilbo find the ring for the first time, which was, I remember, like I said, I always say this, but not too familiar with the Lord of the Rings lore as I was seeing this for the first time. But I did know of the Hobbit story and when I saw this, I remember saying, oh, that's pretty cool to showing a flashback to the first story and just got everyone wondering, are we going to get movies on the Hobbit pretty soon after this? And it would take a decade later, but (laughs) we eventually did. But it was cool to see a little Sequence from the Hobbit book.
2: Okay, so that was the Missing mm-hmm.
1: I always loved the map of Middle Earth, too, and it's glad it was used in the movie to show the different locations. Get a great wide shot of Middle Earth. So cool. And it looks like we're going to end with... Ah, we're so close to officially being out of the prologue date and seeing the title <laughs> card. <laughs> I think we'll get there on the
2: What's, um... Uh, I, I just saw it on the map. What's the Sundering?
1: The Sundering? Yeah. So that's something I'm not too familiar with, so that would wow. be one aspect of Middle-earth lore that I won't be able to answer right know. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I let you down. <laughs> All right, so that's our Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring minute by minute commentary for this episode. And with that, we can get into our feature topic, which really is just going to be a recap of some news and discussion topics that have come out since our last episode. And since we didn't record two weeks ago, like we usually do, um, we've got quite a few cool new DC Batman news stories that happened throughout the course of those weeks. So kind of go through and recap some of them, which I'll be saving the biggest one for last <laughs> but uh first off we'll go with the most recent one where it was just yesterday as we we're recording this on saturday june 5th that um the director indy machete of the flash it is officially in production they're filming right now and we've gotten are you our- sure tim are you sure <laughs> well i guess these type of photos that are revealed can necessarily be taken anywhere, not necessarily during filming. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, for all intents and pur- purposes, it does feel like it is in production. But mm-hmm. to give us a cool tease, like I said, director Andy Machetis sent the first look at the return of Michael Keaton's Batman suit. Now, it's not a full blown reveal of the whole new costume, it's just a close up shot of the classic batman symbol from the tim burton movies zoomed in with looks to be some bloodstains on that bat symbol but we'll find out the reason for that but just regardless it was just cool to this i think this is like the perfect tease to get fans excited and hyped up about the return of michael keaton's batman in this movie and i gotta say just seeing that classic batman symbol from the 89 movie with the yellow oval shaped shield that hasn't been used since those movies. It was just really cool to see. And it was just made me really excited about how awesome it's going to be and exciting once we get that full costume reveal of Michael Keaton back in his Batman suit. But um, until then, this was just a great little tease I felt to get the hype going. And I know a lot of speculation has been about the type of suit it's going to be where. Uh, it looks more like the return suit because it really doesn't have the look of the f- first costume he had in the 89 movie. But even it does in more to the returns costume he had, but it still feels a little different than that. So I think he's going to have a brand new suit. It's probably going to feel very similar, but will be a different one than what we saw in 89 and Batman returns. Um, but yeah, regardless like I said, just great to see that classic symbol again. And I'm sure it's not going to have too much of a connection to the story, but I couldn't help but think when I saw that image of it with the blood stain on there, how it reminded me of the Batman and Flash crossover in the early days of Rebirth with the button story. That was, of course, teasing uh, the Watchmen connection to the DC Rebirth universe and setting up Doomsday Clock. But it was, that was a great story. Rick. I loved that. Um, it was a great Batman-Flash team-up. So even if, obviously, it's not going to have anything to do with uh, the Comedian's Button or the Watchmen universe. In Well, as far as I know, who knows? This could be a crazy <laughs> multiverse movie where they're going to incorporate that. Who knows? I doubt it. But um, I just hope, if anything, they take a lot of the dynamic Batman and Flash had in that story um, that works so well into this movie with what uh, Michael Keaton's Batman and uh, this version of Barry Allen and their dynamic that they're going to have. If they take inspiration from that comic series, that would be great. Um, but I couldn't help but think of the Button storyline because the cover art... Um, with the bloody button that Batman was holding, um, just looked very similar to this image to me. So it got gave me feelings and harkened back to that story that came out almost probably five years ago now. But um, yeah, so just a cool image and just a great tease to get uh, for this upcoming movie. And I think this is going to be an exciting process as they keep slowly revealing stuff about this movie till we get first looks and trailers and all that stuff. So yeah, this was a very cool surprise to get yesterday.
2: I wonder, I mean, is, is he going to be like Michael Keaton now as as Batman?
1: I think so. And I like think this is going to older... be where he is an older version of the character we saw in the original movies. At least that's how I'm viewing it right now. I don't think they've officially said, but that's kind of how I think they're going to go. But who knows? Maybe they'll oh, do a de aging thing <laughs> and maybe have him be like yeah. young Batman.
2: Or just do a Tarkin. Right?
1: <laughs> it would be easier since you know Michael Keaton's actually going to be there. They they don't have to do a full blown yeah. CG. But yeah, but for, part uh, of me thinks yeah. since they're obviously taking inspiration from Flashpoint, since I think it is officially called Flashpoint, they're probably going to want to have a little bit of that Thomas Wayne interpretation of Batman in the story, um, where he is older and kind of has a lot of experience and has been through a lot, and that's the type of Batman Barry is going to be dealing with here, but except it'll be. Bruce Wayne and Michael Keaton's Batman. So I think they kind of want to have the essence of that older Thomas Wayne Batman with this Michael Keaton Batman being older. So I think that's how it's going to be, where it is going to be Michael Keaton's Batman just 30 years later from when uh, we first saw him in 89. I see.
2: Or you know what they could do, Tim? Is they could
1: do a Tarkin on Adam West. Right? Huh, they, I mean, they could, but I wonder if that was like an uh, option or a thing they tried to explore, I mean, if they got the okay from the Adam West family and all that, if they really wanted to do a full-blown Batman multiverse story yeah. for like little cameos here and there. But that would be something if they do that. I just rewatched
2: Rogue One if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're wondering why I'm bringing up Target so, so much.
1: <laughs> Rogue One's on the brain right now, which... It's yeah. a good thing to have on the brain because it's awesome. By Stardust. By Stardust. <laughs> so yeah, that was a bit of cool news we got on the Flash movie front. And continuing with some of the movie news we got a few weeks ago, it was announced that the background movie is still in in production. Or not in production, but it's still on uh, W Warner Brothers is list of upcoming DC movies. And it was announced that they have a couple of directors. For the film officially and it is two directors who most recently did the bad boys for life movie which i didn't see but um their names are adil l Arbi and bilal falla which i hope i'm pronouncing right but they're a directing duo who uh, are going to be doing batgirl now and what's interesting about this announcement um regard- in regards to not just having two directors doing this but um in the release it was said that it's being a a movie plan for HBO max and not necessarily a theatrical release, which I find very interesting. Um, And I wonder if that's something that could change where if they see the movie, and I hope it's kind of something where it is has the same production budget and value as a full theatrical release film, or I wonder if it's going to be a smaller production base, if it's going to be really grounded in the streets of Gotham and not too much um, of the fantastic fantastical elements that we sometimes see in Gotham. And that's why it's going to have a smaller budget for HBO Max. But I am curious as to why they felt this was their direction to go for a Batgirl movie. But maybe it'll change and it will have the same theatrical and HBO Max release, kind of what they're doing now. But as of right now in the press release, it says it is for HBO Max. So um, yeah, it's cool to see that the Batgirl project is still moving and hopefully it will see get into production sooner rather than later. Um unlike the Flash movie. <laughs> that was a development hell for so long. But uh I forgot too that uh the Batgirl movie movie's being written by Christina Hodson, who did Birds of Prey, which was a great script, and who wrote the Bumblebee movie, which is definitely the best Transformers movie uh, you're gonna get. So I am excited that she's doing the Batgirl script too. So um this good to hear this movie's moving forward and hopefully we'll get more on it in the near future too. I
2: um I I totally forgot about this movie. Um, I I know it, it was supposed to be around the time. Um, was it Suicide Squad came out?
1: You might you be right, announced. Dane. It's been yeah, it was out there for a long During time. A while.
2: <laughs> right,
1: right, and uh,
2: what's his name I was going to do it? Uh, yeah, Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon, right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. And that thankfully, yeah. That may have been a good thing. But, um, yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah cause uh, I remember it was like first revealed because during one of the Comic-Cons, and like you said, it might have been during the Suicide Squad, like the year that came out, where Warner Brothers doing the thing that they always do, just flash a bunch of titles of movies without announcing them or <laughs> having anyone attached to it just showing that's coming. And Batgirl was one of them. So it has been in the plan, I should say, I guess, for a long time. So that's why it's good to finally have a concrete writer and concrete directors now attached to it. Yeah.
2: Also, kind of unexpected, Um, another movie I totally forgot about was uh, Eternals. (laughs) Yeah. They they just released the trailer. Mm -hmm. It looks really, really good. It does Um, look
1: really good. Just not what I was expecting, but that's a good thing, really.
2: (laughs) Which is what scares me, right? is I think this is going to split them. I think this is the movie that splits the Marvel fan base, unfortunately, because it looks like it's going to be an actual movie. And it's, it's just the way it's shot. You know, it's a different sort of look from the Avengers sort of thing. Definitely. And um, I think this is going to be the movie that splits the Marvel fan base where it's going to be like, people love it. People hate it. This is gonna be the, the Marvel Universe's last Jedi That's what <laughs> I think it's gonna be. Man. Unfortunately. Um, I, don't I, know. I, well, I, I did see um I, I did see Chloe Zhao's um No and I really, really liked it. So yeah, if she I, I she's really good Yeah, she's a really good uh director. So um yeah, I, I, I wanna see this one. This is the one that I want to... This is the Marvel movie I want to see. Yeah, I know nothing about the Eternals. Nothing.
1: Same here. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm in the yeah. same boat as you, where I kind of... I mean, this is kind of how it was with Guardians of the Galaxy for me, where I knew of characters. I knew about Rocket and Star-Lord, just like mainly through the Marvel vs. Capcom 3 DLC when that first came out, like around 2011 <laughs> and 12, And Rocket, what Raccoon was announced, I go, oh, yeah, that... that never heard of this character. <laughs> that's when yeah. I first heard about him. So when I found out, oh, they're going to make a movie he's going to have, them. Well, that's awesome. I went and read a bunch of Guardians of the Galaxy comics before the movie came out to get familiar with the characters. And there were some great uh, story arcs in that run from 2008. But with Eternals, I'm kind of going to do the opposite where I know less about them than I did the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. And instead of just kind of going and read some comics, I'm just going to let the movie kind of be my introduction to their story and their characters and just see if it just grabs me in to the story they're going to tell in the movie. So I'm going to go into it just like you and not really knowing much about anything. I just know they're Jack Kirby characters and another universe, a portion of the Marvel Universe he, he created. But I don't think ever got to finish the storyline he had planned for him. So mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like you said, it just looks and feels totally different than any other Marvel and, or MCU movie we've gotten so far. And when it was announced and the trailer came out, I was expecting kind of this big sci-fi space opera type s- setting and scenario, a little bit like Guardians. But I, obviously it's still going to be have sci-fi elements to it. But I was surprised just how grounded in Earth it was and just how it looks like it's going to take place, the story will take place the majority on Earth, just spanning through... Several, I think they said like a thousand years, something like that. So, this spanning many different eras of uh, mankind's history, so to speak. I think that's a really cool story potential. And just to find out just how these characters were involved, maybe in certain big events that we've seen already in the MCU, and as to now, maybe why they didn't reveal themselves or decide to act on certain big events that we've seen play out in the Marvel movies so far. So, there's just a lot of stuff that I'm excited about with its story and his character is not necessarily knowing a lot about it and just how it's going to fit in the overall grand scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about it.
2: And, um, I mean, I, I, I know I say, you know, Chloe Zhao is a great director and this looks really good, but the real reason is really there's a character named Dane in it. So. Uh, hey,
1: yes. You're a comic <laughs> book character now, Dane.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, played by uh, John Snow, so yeah, but... I can't wait to see that.
1: <laughs> Finally, I well. mean, I remember we were trying so hard to find a comic book character who shared the name Dane, and all we had yeah. was just some random thug in the comic book we read, yeah. Batman comic we reviewed, <laughs> like in our first two years of this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but now you got a full blown comic book character who's a hero and played by a great actor, and Kit Harington Snow. Yeah, you're moving. Your name's Little moving up know. in
2: the whole <laughs> Little did I know it. there was a character named Dane created by jack kirby back in the day there you go his his superhero name is
1: the black knight
2: oh the black knight yeah oh okay
1: me so
2: your character just has a cool superhero
1: name general so
2: (laughs) he looks pretty cool so
1: is he a bad guy or i don't believe so no but again, being not too familiar with his characters, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Well, I could be a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe you shouldn't get your hopes up To, to <laughs> just yet, yeah, because he might end up being a villain by the end of the story.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or he might be dead.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's too. too. <laughs> so yeah, yeah
2: that yeah. was cool
1: to get on the Marvel front. And speaking of trailers, too, here's another one I can. Did you see the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer?
2: No, I just can't get into that. I mean, I know it's just a trailer, but I I just cannot get into the Venom movies. Is it any good? Uh,
1: I wasn't the biggest fan of the first Venom movie. There was elements I did like of it, but this one, it looks like they're just turning the first Venom movie up to 11 with some of its ridiculous (laughs) elements as far as like. How, where they're going with the comedy aspect between Eddie and the symbiote. That um, they're just turning it up a notch in this one. And I will say Carnage does look cool. I'm excited to see those interactions with Venom and Carnage. That should make for some cool action sequences. I'm excited about Andy Serkis directing it. But I'm telling you, this, I just can't get past the story aspect of Spider-Man not being involved with the origin of the character of Venom and the symbiote and that whole connection it's just such a big part of why i love venom as a villain for spider-man who eventually becomes more of an anti-hero but without that you just take away this a big portion of that story of what makes that character great in my opinion i know there's a lot of venom fans who love that first movie um but for me it's just hard to get fully invested into it without um the story connection of why i love that character so much so it should be a fun movie i'm expecting some cool action between the symbiotes Um, but, like I said, the ridiculous aspects, that was in the first movie, it looks to be taken up a notch in this one, and we'll see how all that plays out, but um, it's another comic movie to see, so I'll definitely see it and check it out when it comes out, but... um, Yeah. It it, it could
2: be a good thing. It could be a good thing, you know? Like, let's just make a Deadpool, Mm -hmm. let's just make uh, Guardians of the Galaxy without the sort of serious nature to it. Let's make a you know
1: any of those kind of yeah. Just go for it. It's a pure fun, entertaining movie. (laughs) Yeah, which I'm sure it will be for the most part.
2: Oh, uh, uh, speaking of uh, fun, you know, entertainment movie. uh, I I (laughs) yeah, I can believe this then. But uh, I watched uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Oh yeah, I really really liked it. Really. yeah, it's a, it's got great characters. Good characters and um yeah, it's 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 really fun. Um so yeah, it's 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 really good.
1: Well, that's uh, good hear. uh, I've heard
2: And plus, two. And plus two, I I I I really like uh Dave Bautista. I think he has like really good, you know, screen presence or whatever mm. you want to call it. Charisma and i i really
1: liked him so yeah i've heard good things about it but i just gotta be honest anything with like zombie movies it's just that's immediate like turn off for me i just that genre film was like uh just been done to that and i just never really get into those type of stories and there's been so many of them and it's like uh it was anything with like a post po- uh, I could talk post-apocalyptic <laughs> zombie type story that is like uh it's just not for me so maybe this one's more unique than your typical zombie movies and maybe i'll check it out eventually but it just the whole premise of it didn't grab me but um yeah so um <laughs> did it, this is even though um uh, i enjoy most of Zack snyder's stuff this one what when you throw in zombie apocalypse like oh maybe not <laughs> it's not in a rush to check it out but all
2: right
1: but was was you liking it? That gives me more an incentive to watch it. So <laughs>
2: yeah, it's actually really fun. Um, it, it it does get a little too serious sometimes, but um, and you can tell he's he's sort of trying to throw some story and some heart into it, and it just kind of doesn't really work. And um, yeah, um, w- w- which brings me to the fact that. I think Zack Snyder would have been a really, really great music video director. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the, the, there's a bunch of music scenes in this movie where it's like that slow motion, sort of like uh the music is playing and uh, some action is happening and, you know, it's slow motion. Yeah. Uh, so, so, sort of like uh in the, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, where for yeah. some reason... There's those Norwegian women singing that song as, as uh, Aquaman sort of walks down that pier. Mm. <laughs> he he would have made a really good music video director, but at least he wanted to direct movies.
1: Especially in the 90s where music videos really try to go all out there and be these big... Yeah. Production, Production. <laughs> like mini movie yeah. type things for like a two or three minute song. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. sometimes have to extend the song just to fit the music video footage <laughs> But yeah, if, so
2: if if, if I'm re- if I'm remembering this correctly, the the come original music video from 311 Eleven uh, it takes place on a half pipe, right?
1: Pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. probably the lowest budget you can go for a music video <laughs> where yeah. they're just like in a green screen green screen room like studio or warehouse or something there's nothing like no visual effects on the green screen it's just the green screen <laughs> and like you said oh, really? there's a half pipe and that's about it
2: <laughs> I'm gonna revisit that because I remember the music video uh, I mean, I guess it worked <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> I will sad. say as much as you know I love 3.11 not the greatest music videos I will be honest <laughs> about that <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I mean, that's the thing of the
1: past now. Uh, damn, so yeah, it really that is. Big of a hit. <laughs> Sometimes I, I get surprised when I see bands still put out music videos. Like, oh, good for you, but it's almost like—is there really a point to doing that anymore? But <laughs> 'cause because okay. they're really only made for YouTube and like Vivo, that channel, which is yeah. the place where all the music official official music videos go. So, you're definitely insane on MTV. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, I was thinking maybe it is because, you know, YouTube is a free platform. Uh, so is that Vivo thing. Yeah. Um, and you can I'm... just post it up there and it's another, you know, people can buy it or pe- people can listen to it, your song and watch your music video and maybe they like it.
1: Yeah. I get the exposure of it, but sometimes, like, I just find it surprising that. Some bands and artists still put as much like money and time into creating a music video where yeah. I know 311 even does this where they just put out like lyric videos, kind of like these videos that have the lyrics play out and there's some cool visual backgrounds in there that I'm sure doesn't cost too much for a uh, video editor or artist to put up real quick and you get the song playing over that. There's some cool visuals, you see the lyrics, and that's about the extent of it. So I I think that is the route a lot of bands are doing now, but uh, these there's are some who still put out real official music videos which is a dying art form but it's still out there i think mainly probably for the bands who are used to it and have done it in the past and are still continuing to do it but it like i said it is still kind of surprising when i see full-blown music videos sometimes that uh, that's cool that the band still care enough to do that even though it won't get the attention or airplay as they would in the early to mid 90s
2: yeah it's uh I, I wonder how, like, 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 if you're a small band or you're an art, uh, you know, singer-songwriter or something. I wonder how much uh, money you're putting into that, money and time you're putting into a music video. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if you're like, 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 okay, so like, we're gonna put all of our money into this, or this is gonna be like five dollars. We have five dollars to spend on this music video. You
1: know. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would have to be something where you're just in your garage or your, those place where your band practices. You get a camera, yeah. film the performance of the song, and maybe get a couple of shots of you walking down the street, driving a car, or something like that to <laughs> edit in between the <laughs> band-practicing shots. <laughs> so, something really right. missing. Oh,
2: man. Yeah, you're right.
1: Like... <laughs> <laughs> I do miss those MTV days, though. I remember sometimes if there was a video I really liked And sometimes it would try to record it because it used to have like me and my brother would kind of take turns like spending an hour or so or day just like watching MTV waiting to like record a music video for some of our favorite bands to build a music video collection on VHS. And there were some times where we'd let the VCR record in the middle of the night where MTV would just have a few hours of nothing of just playing music videos to try to get this one video we were waiting for. And if we did get it, we would able we would hook two VCRs up. And transfer it over to the main VHS copy that has all our music video collection. If the one that we left recording and had that one music video we were waiting for, so it was a process, but <laughs> it's just—we wow. still have all those VHS tapes of just music video collections, and it's just funny now how, after going through all that to try to get the ultimate video collection, we can now just type in the name of the band on youtube and see that video one two three and create a playlist like that it's just so easy now but it, it was good times
2: so so what
1: bands were you recording or whatever and pretty much all the same ones i like now 311 videos nirvana foo fighters weezer videos and just oh. other bands that would had like maybe like some one hit wonder bands <laughs> in the 90s but i remember there was this one like one of those times i was talking about leaving the vcr recording all night we're trying to get this one nirvana live performance video it's from when that live album from the money banks of the Wishcog came out which is around 96 and there was one performance where if i remember right they had two videos one where it started with one performance and then it came it went to another performance like another concert but we remember seeing one time oh they're showing the video that's just that whole one show of the full performance it was the song aneurysm and I was like, "Oh, we gotta get that because the one only one we have is where it splits between two different performances." But we just want that one full performance, and we eventually did get it. <laughs> one night we were left the VCR recording on, and got that music video, and it felt like such an accomplishment <laughs> once we got that.
2: You remember when um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, Sith was coming out, and then MTV was it MTV that had the, the exclusive like. I don't know what you call it, like broadcasting rights to show the premiere and the lead up and
1: oh, they just all had, and stuff. They just had uh, like the premiere of the movie at Skywalker Ranch. MTV had like a special about it where they were invited to Skywalker Ranch, interviewed the celebrities who were going there, and showed a special clip. And there, I think there was a performance by the band Good Charlotte at the ranch <laughs> at that time. So uh, they just had like a one-hour special focusing on the premiere for the movie.
2: You see, I thought it was like a big lead up to like, like, a like we're, we're committing our entire channel to this sort of thing, where it was like, we're gonna interview the fans and we're gonna have the celebrity guests and we're gonna have good Charlotte for some reason. I, I thought it was something more like that. No, it so was just I'm a premiere special,
1: really. <laughs> oh, so, uh, I see. It was like the week the movie came out, which well, I was eating everything <laughs> leading up to the movie at that point. Any news channel that they were having anything on Revenge to the Sips, I was trying to record it.
2: <laughs> I bet you, you have your uh, copy somewhere, your VHS copy of that. E- yes, I
1: do. Here, I'm actually looking at the drawer of it right now. <laughs> I really? did try to transfer them to a DVD once they got a DVD recorder, but yeah. sometimes they didn't come out right where it was, cheap disc uh, so sometimes they'd skip so vhs well, copy i still have is still the best one <laughs> so
2: so when you do transfer it comes up at like the four by three square yeah TV, mm, yeah oh so so there's bars on the side then
3: yeah definitely
2: uh,
1: i see but anyway I don't, of... I don't
2: even know how I don't even know how we got
1: on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> it all started from... We were talking about the Batgirl movie directors being announced. And that went to the Eternals trailer. Eternals.
2: Turned
1: oh. Zack <laughs> Snyder right, music yeah. videos. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. We haven't had kind of a rabbit hole topic that we went down in a long time. Where just things went from one topic to the next, to the next, to the next. <laughs> all the way to... Yeah. From... The background movie all the way to my VHS "Revenge of the Sith" news stories <laughs> copies <laughs> that I still have. Uh, the power of know, becomes.
2: If, if, if you really were a true Star Wars fan, Tim, you, you know what you would have. You know how local news casts have, like, oh, and coming to theaters this Friday is um, "Revenge of the Sith." You know, Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace or whatever, and sometimes they would film fans outside of the movie theater waiting. Uh huh. If if you're a real Star Wars nerd, Tim, you would have those segments of local news. But I guess you're not a real Star
1: Wars fan. Who says I don't? I don't? Huh? Really? <laughs> I them? definitely got a few. I definitely got a few. Oh, <laughs> you nerd! <laughs> yes, Big I know. nerd. Man. Because I remember word. I remember for episode two, one of the news local news station was doing like exactly what you said, and they showed a small clip of the Django Fett Obi-Wan fight that I have never seen before. And I was like, Ooh, this is getting me so excited for the sequence. So I, again oh, yeah. I was devouring everything I could to get any little bit of new footage shown for the prequels. it was, it was such a fun time. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, uh, I'd just like to apologize to you, Tim. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm sorry for for doubting that you would have something like that. Uh, they
1: never underestimate your, how far my nerdiness goes for Star Wars.
2: <laughs> I, you, your fandom runs extremely, extremely deep. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so You have that collection of news reports from... <laughs> Um, wow but i I just gotta say Tim you, you're just a big
1: big nerd <laughs> thank um, you I take that as a compliment yeah and
2: you should you
1: should because I don't know <laughs> any other
2: any other fandom that would have that you know I'm thinking like all these big these big You know, franchises now, you know, Marvel or Disney or Star Wars or Pokemon or, you know, something that would have something
1: like this. And after I recorded, it wasn't like I just recorded it and that was it. I would put in those tapes and just watch it for like two hours a night and just going through getting hyped up for the movie because like trailers would be on there, commercials news reports um those entertainment tonight's or access hollywood special features on it i would just because that was all i had to leave up to to lead up to the movie and it just helped build up my excitement for it <laughs> it was so,
2: so, a different so era but
1: man movie. just as fun
2: yeah so so like how would you do that would you like would you be like recording the entire half an hour news block or would no. you like oh so you hit record like you would watch the news and you hit record when they start talking about correct. the Jedi. I mean, yes. not the Jedi. Sorry, Revengeance. Uh
1: or it, pretty much all three of the prequels. I did that for so. Right. Beginning with Phantom Menace, that's all I did. Yep.
3: Oh my god.
2: <laughs> I okay. Do you own? Do you currently own Tim, or do you have in storage? you have in storage? you currently own uh, those birthday napkins uh for kids' birthday parties with like Star Wars characters printed on them that they release for like when the prequels are coming out
1: not really, never really got too much of like the party stuff
2: okay so so what's the next step step above that?
1: Well, I did try to collect all the Pepsi cans that had characters from the Phantom Menace on there. <laughs> and so, the so, cereals so that have... were released for it, they were really good too. <laughs> like the Attack of the Clone cereal, that was really good. I kept the box for that for a long time. I think eventually got thrown out though. Yeah.
2: So so you're telling me you have empty Pepsi cans in your storage?
1: Uh, I d- unfortunately don't have those anymore. I think those the oh, they the did get tossed during a move, but <laughs> I tried to hold on to them as long as I could. I now I so, wish I just got a box of cans that I never opened. I could just that safely put away somewhere and just look at the cans whenever I want. But every time I got them, I would open it and drink the soda. So <laughs> that made that a little more hard to keep. You
2: see, that is just a little too far for me. Tim. That's a little too extreme. <laughs> Uh, I I was uh looking at uh musical mutagen tour slash out of their shells merchandise um on eBay. And I uh, saw a uh, I saw a you know if you go to a restaurant and uh you're a kid, they give you crayons and yeah. a place map <laughs> that you can draw on. Uh, I almost bought a place snap. A, a paper placemat for the <laughs> Out of the Shells tour from Pizza Hut. <laughs> I almost bought it. Uh, so and why
1: didn't you? It
2: was <laughs> $8. You know,
1: like, uh, I feel like it. How much do I really love the Out of the Shells tour? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you bought the toys, which was yeah. an amazing purchase, but would you go that extra step and get the Pizza Hut Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think I might I Think I might go back.
1: Hopefully, it didn't go up in price though. But I think it'll still be worth it. Yeah, you just got to get whatever you can from that tour, <laughs> so you could have the ultimate out of the shells collection.
2: Yeah, I'm, st- I- I'm. I'm still looking for a good VHS copy. I have a cassette version of the soundtrack, so I'm just looking for a, a good kind of busted up copy. Of, uh, <laughs> Out of their shelves tour
1: concert video. (laughs) I'm telling Um, you, Dane, you got to try to get as much as you can. Like you got the toys, get the cassette tape, play map, the VHS tape, and just create a cool display on your shelf or something. And then you get your very own denim vest, you put it on, and you just take a photo right in front of all the stuff you got (laughs) just to show what a diehard, not just Ninja Turtles fan, but out of their shelves concert tour Ninja Turtles fan. You, you have to be ultra specific.
2: I wasn't into the comics. I didn't care yep. about
1: the comics
2: at all. I didn't care about the TV shows. Didn't TV shows. They didn't care about the movies. It was this one specific thing that got me into the Ninja Turtles, which is
1: funny, but yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so so good. Yeah. All right. Well. I guess to get us kind of back on topic.
2: Yeah, it's in our news topics. <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> but those are some fun topics. Going revisiting some good memories I've had back in the days. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but kind of moving on to some animated movie and news. Um, it was announced that um, we're getting an Injustice: Gods Among Us animated movie as the next DC animated film after the Long Halloween uh part one and two come out which was kind of surprising and there's a part of me that's excited about it to see the injustice story told in an animated movie but kind of making me think it's like this was is it kind of is it necessary because when you play the games in the story mode which has awesome cutscenes, there it does feel like its own movie but i'm sure this is going to be not exactly like it and i'm wondering if they're going to kind of do more of a retelling through the comic story the original by tom taylor which was really good um so i'm curious to see just how much are they going to take from the game or how much they're going to follow it or they're going to do kind of their own thing maybe continue where the second game left off or follow from the comics more closely so there's definitely some potential to do something cool in that universe so i'm just curious to see just what kind of direction they're going to go follow the game or kind of go beyond that but uh, looking forward to see hopefully a trailer soon once um, we get closer to its release date, just to see what exactly it's going to be. But speaking of the long Halloween as well, um, oh, just one... I say
2: something really quick? Oh yeah, go for it. it. it is this just sort of like a? Uh, they're not really copying, but in the tradition of, I mean, they they just released the Mortal Combat movie. Mm-hmm. It, is this going to be like? I mean, is this like tied to that? sort
1: of thing i don't know i don't i don't think so like i said they haven't said too much on it they really didn't really even have a press release for it it was just part of some that was revealed i think on like the long halloween special features that said the next film is injustice so they usually have like these behind the scenes previews on each dc animated movie so i'm sure we'll learn more about it once the long halloween comes out and we'll just see exactly What's the direction they're going with it, and if it ties into anything, or if it's kind of its own interpretation of injustice. So, but right now, I don't think it's necessarily tied into anything besides just going to be adapting the injustice story. So, we shall see.
2: But I like gonna be, be a, I said, I don't think it's going to be a good movie, Tim. I mean, I, I, it's it's way too early to tell. But you I mean, just look at True Fighter, Mortal Combat. Like these, these fighting games don't really have a good story to
1: so. them. Yeah, but when you're we'll taking see. it off these characters who obviously have many great stories, and like I said, the stories in the game are really good. So even if they just do an adaption of that, I think it could be kind of cool. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily be too down as far as not expecting to have a good story just because it's based off a video game because, again, it's what these classic characters you can tell a lot of great stories and i think the games already did that in themselves so um i'm not worried about that i'm just more curious to see what type of adaption it's going to be <laughs> really a continuation or an adaption of what we've seen already so that's what i'm mainly really curious about
2: yeah we'll but in regards-
1: oh, i'm sorry <laughs> if you're gonna say something
2: else i, was gonna, I, I just said uh we'll see
1: yeah which shouldn't be too long, because we're right around the corner for the release of The Long Halloween, and which came out since we recorded our last episode, was that we got a trailer for part two already, before part one was even out, and the trailer is really cool. I think I like this trailer even more than the part one, because it really focused on the villains that we know show up in the story. And in this trailer, I felt it captured more of the Long Halloween art style, that I felt was missing from the first trailer. But once I saw this one, and I saw the villains, especially Scarecrow. I love how Scarecrow looks in this. And he does kind of look more like the Tim Sale design that we got in the comics. So I really enjoyed the second trailer, how it focused on the villains more. But the cool thing is that we got the release dates for both movies. And what surprised me, but I'm really glad about, is that part two is coming out just a month after part one. Because part one comes out June 22nd, and part two comes out July 27th. And I was kind of expecting it to be kind of like the Dark Knight Returns where there was a pretty big gap between part one and part two, but not the case with this one. It's going to be one right after the other, which I'm really excited about because uh, the movie looks great. The story obviously is a Batman classic, and if the movie lives up to that, you're going to want to see the next one right away. So (laughs) thankfully that we won't have to wait too much longer after we see part one to see part two. So that was some cool news to get and. Um, like i said june 22nd for the first one and july 27th for the next one and i still got to see the latest animated movie the justice society world war ii i hear that one's great i just haven't gotten around to watching or getting and watching it yet but i gotta make sure i do before the long halloween comes out (laughs) and i keep saying too i want to revisit the comic because it's been forever since i read it and kind of want to go into the movie a little bit refreshed to see how much they changed or um or closely they follow certain aspects of the story. So I gotta make sure I get on that as well. <laughs> because I don't got that much more time left.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a,
1: it's
2: a pretty big book, Tim.
1: Yes it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but speaking the... of uh, speaking of Tim's, I, I do really like uh Tim Sell's art. And I wonder I haven't seen any of the trailers yet. Mm. uh but do do they sort of copy tim sales art or is it like like, that that sort of art style that the the um the dc animated universe has
1: yeah that was a little bit one of my disappointments with the first trailer like i said i don't think it captured a lot of tim sales art style which i was really hoping for um so yeah it is kind of i think more akin to the dc animated movies art style but there are elements there it's just not enough of what i was hoping for where it's just like a full-blown take in the art style like they did with frank miller's in year one in the dark knight returns so yeah a little disappointed about that but like i said some of the characters especially in the second trailer i think capture more of his art style than what i saw in the first trailer i see but time to go into the biggest news announcement we got since we recorded our last episode and this one just knocked me off my feet (laughs) how excited i am and that is we are getting a brand new batman animated series coming to hbo max and the creative team behind this is just wow (laughs) i mean when i first saw this i couldn't believe what i was reading but the series is going to be called batman the cape crusader and bruce tim is involved i mean if you just had bruce tim on there i'm Obviously, I would be excited and sold on it no matter what. But not only is Bruce Tim part of the show, Matt Reeves is going to be involved in the show. You got someone who's worked on Batman for pretty much his whole career and has created a definitive version of the character for me. And then you got the newest creative person to take on Batman with Matt Reeves involved. And I just think it's going to be so cool to have these two perspectives working together on a new Batman animated series show. But there's more we also got J.J. Abrams being involved in this show. And when I just saw all three of those names, I just like, wow, I mean, give, give me the series now because <laughs> I just cannot wait to see what these three brilliant creative minds are going to do with a Batman animated show. And I, I tweeted this out when I heard the announcement. It was like, what I wouldn't give to be a fly in the wall with all three of them in the story meetings and development of this series just seeing them talk about what they want to do in this show. It just had have been, been, so surreal to see these three creative minds at work, uh, working on this new interpretation of Batman. And that's what was part of the press release in saying that um, it says in a joint press release from all three of them, it says we are beyond excited to be working together to bring this character back to tell engrossing new stories in Gotham city. And this series will be thrilling cinematic and invocative of Batman's noir roots while diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. And we cannot wait to share this new world. And I highlighted the word noir because they released a teaser poster for it by Bruce Tim. And my goodness, is it amazing? <laughs> this is like already one of my new favorite Bruce Tim pieces of art. It's a design of a Batman overlooking got or not overlooking, but it's a big over-exaggeration. Design of Batman where he's bigger than Gotham City himself, and he's looking down on the city, and it's just this great design where it's capturing the original Bill Finger Bob Kane design of Batman with the long ears from the late '30s, early '40s design that I just absolutely love, and I, I think it's safe to assume this is how Batman's going to look in the series since this is, they released this as an official teaser poster. And that just makes me so excited because I've been dying to get a Batman animated series, live action, whatever, with that type of classic original design of the character. Because I love that look. And Bruce Tim just really captured it with this poster right here. And this the lighting of it. It's like a dark blue. You see the night sky, the moon shining bright, this giant sized Batman looking over Gotham City. He has his cape covered over him, almost similar to that. Classic Batman animated series pose, but it has that classic Batman cow look that I just absolutely love. And I would think it'd be awesome if they're really going into the noir roots of the character, that it is a period piece where it is set maybe in the late 30s, early 40s, and seeing Batman, an entire Batman series take place during that time period and these new interpretations of classic Batman characters set in that era, I think would be just really awesome. I just like how this is really emphasizing, diving deeper to the psychology of these characters. And man, it's just everything about this show is has me super excited. The creative team involved in it, the design of Batman in this, the description of the series, it's just, man, I cannot be more excited than for a Batman project than this one right now. I mean, the Batman looks amazing, obviously, but Brighton, you know how much I love the animated stuff, so I don't think it should come as a huge surprise to think that I, this is my most anticipated Batman project in development right now. It's just everything about it sounds so cool, and I just cannot wait uh, to get our first look at it. And it's definitely on HBO Max, but I thought I believe read, I read somewhere, too, where it might be on Cartoon Network as well. But kind of hoping if it is on HBO Max, it is something that would maybe be an animated series geared towards an older audience. Um, especially if they're going to deal with psychology of, of certain characters or the main characters, as they said. So I'm uh, sure it'll be for all ages, but kind of hoping it's gearing towards more an older audience, especially with this look and description of the series. It just, man, <laughs> I just cannot be more excited, as you can obviously tell. So, um, no official release date just yet, but I I assume it'll probably be 2022 at the earliest. Um, but to maybe coincide with the release of the batman maybe it'll be in the fall of 2022 kind of how batman returns and batman the animated series came out in the same year just several months apart so there's just a lot to be excited about about this and i cannot wait to learn more this man yeah i wasn't expecting this announcement but now i just cannot wait to see this project so hopefully this is kind of the true successor to batman the animated series obviously we've had some other batman animated shows that's come after it some really great ones like brave and the bold and some several justice league shows but as far as like a a true solo batman series um this one looks like to be the next successor to the greatest interpretation of batman ever so um i'm expecting something different than it but just to have that same quality that we know that bruce tim is going to give us with a batman animated project and you throw in Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams. I mean, what's not to be excited about? So yeah, <laughs> I just cannot wait for this.
2: Yeah, I, I I saw the piece of art that they released that you're talking about, and it, it it's sort of refreshing just to see like this one image. We got this one image, but it looks so unique. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's it evokes that animated series sort of feel, but it's a brand new thing um but but just the uniqueness of it especially like when you have like these animated shows that are made for you know to generate a lot of episodes yeah it's just sort of like a plain looking thing um whereas like i mean it's the same thing with the bat uh the 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 animated series where it's like that was a unique thing like it had a unique art style that has been it's 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 it, it it can't really be copied. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can base things off of it, but it can't really be copied because that is the animated series, and you know it, it has that distinct look to it. But this one, I feel like it it pays homage to that, but like it, it has like this 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 unique feel to it, and it, it's that that's what I'm most excited about. Is like just this unique fresh take on a batman animated series right you know it's not going to be like it doesn't look like it's going to be like this this mass like production 22 episode seasons you know uh which is my sort of my big criticism of the the, the tmnt shows um uh, mm. you know the 20 it was 2012 and uh rise of the tmnt it's like it's it's like so long. The seasons are so long. It's like, why don't you condense that? and Cut out all the filler. No, but, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, but it,
1: even the filler episodes, I loved of the 2012. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: but yeah, uh, it's uh, it's um, refreshing to see,
1: is what I'd say. Yeah, I, mean, I just cannot wait to get our first look at it. I mean, who knows if they even have any animation done for it yet? And <laughs> probably not. But yeah. man, once we get our yeah. first look, I'm just Probably going to be drooling all over. <laughs> 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 cannot wait. So, yeah, that was the biggest, most exciting Batman news I think we've gotten in a while in regards to probably since the first the Batman trailer. I think this hasn't gotten me. Nothing has gotten me as pumped as a Batman project since then as this. And this is just an announcement of a, a small poster <laughs> image reveal. So yeah. once we get our first footage of it, man, it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. So. Um, again, I don't know for sure if it's coming out in 2022, but if it is, it's going to be an amazing year for Batman with the movie and then this animated series. So, good things and exciting things are ahead for Batman that I cannot wait to experience. It's going to be amazing. But that's going to do it for kind of our recap of all the big news and stories topics from the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, I couldn't, have been chomping at the bit to talk about that Cape Crusader news, so it was fun to finally get to express my excitement about it. And I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more of excitement from me as uh, the episodes go by and more gets revealed about it, so prepare yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, we can go into a comic book review. We have one for this episode, because after several months and long waits, we finally got the latest issue of TMNT the Last Ronin, and we are ready to talk about it. So, before we do, though, gotta throw up the spoiler warning because we will be talking about spoilers and everything that went down in this issue. And as always, we gotta have a rating scale, even though it's been a while since we had to have one since uh, a comic review. But um, what do you think it should be, Dane? Um, how
2: about uh, minutes that Dane has to wait? For um, okay, wait. Let, let me think, think. about this. Minutes <laughs> that Dane has to wait um, to get in one word about the Batman the animated series show <laughs> because Tim talks <laughs> uh, a lot about it.
1: Uh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> like I said, it's been a while since we had to do it, think of a rating scale, but that is a perfect one to come back strong with. <laughs> So, you know what? Can I vent a little bit, Dane, before we get into the sure. review of this issue? Uh-oh. So, I've been using the TMNT Comics app to get all my TMNT Comics. And yeah. I'll be honest, it's not the greatest app, but I built up my collection so much in there that I kept using it. But IDW, they announced a few months ago that they're not going to be using those apps that anymore because, I guess, the company they were using to provide those apps is no longer in business. So they're going to create their own. So they did. And it just launched a couple of weeks ago. But man, is it super buggy? <laughs> it's really? really, it's almost unusable. And I downloaded it and they had a thing to make sure you sync up with all your old purchases so it can go into the new app. And I followed all the instructions. I did it. And once I synced up, I nearly just got half of all the issues I bought. I'm missing so much of my previous TMNT issues where, I mean, I had to send them an email saying, hey, what's up? Where are my old issues that I purchased? Almost like all the first issues, like issues one through 20 and the micro series stuff, they're not there in the new app. And like, what's going on? (laughs) I actually got to follow up with them because they haven't gotten back to me on it yet. They said they're looking into it to try to get everything I've had restored. But it's been such a hassle to get my TMNT comic collection back on this new app. But even to get a new issue on this app wasn't worth it because the way you're able to look at your purchase, your books. And once you open it, there's like no, the way to read the comic was so bad where the full pages wouldn't be showing on the screen. You couldn't really zoom out or you wouldn't would zoom right back in. It doesn't have the panel to panel feature like most comic apps have. It was just really bad. And then I couldn't even get the last Ronin part three on their app It would say coming soon or like available today. You go to purchase it and it says coming soon and there's no buy option. I was like, okay, um, I can buy it through you guys like I normally do. So I had to get it just through Comixology because I wasn't going to wait on reading this issue. I had to read it the day it came out. So it just kind of irks me that now I have one issue of The Last Ronin separate from all the other TMT issues I have in the IDW collection. But it's just been a mess and I haven't even wanted to buy anything like any of the current issues yet through that app because I'm just waiting for them to work out all the bugs (laughs) to get it working again and have all my old issues. So a little bit of annoyance. It's kind of bugging me that I have one issue separate from all the rest. And it's just making me think I probably should have just got every single issue of TMNT from the beginning through comiXology (laughs) because I wouldn't have any problems with that. And it's a much better app too, as far as how it works and how you're able to read comics. So uh, just had to vent a little bit to get my frustrations out <laughs> as far as how messy the new IDW app has been and just not having full access to all of my TMNT comics. So I'm just hoping it gets resolved soon because I want to go back and read them <laughs> and stay current on the new issues. So hopefully that won't be too long. But yeah, anyway, I'm Dane, so how would you like the that... issue?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that I uh, just buy everything exclusively through Comixology, their website. Um, their app isn't very good, um, especially when it comes to. Um, like let's say you you buy a comic book, a single issue of the Last Ronin, right? Okay. Last Ronin number three. So you buy it, you check out, uh, you purchase it, uh, and then you want to read it on your phone, let's say, or your iPad. So you go to the app, right? And then it it doesn't, or for me anyway, it doesn't automatically show up on my um, what is it called, my uh, my my books, right? Um, it doesn't show up. Really? There. It doesn't show up in the smart lists where you know it's the you know the the recently purchased uh, or unread or anything like that. So I have to go to the search and go to type in the last Ronin. And then go down to issue number three and it'll say download on it. And then hit that, which is really complicated. If you're talking about the the ongoing series, the TMNT ongoing series where there's a bunch of uh, trade paperbacks and there's the omnibus editions and there is the, all of the single issues, the 116 issues plus the pre-order issues. Um, Plus, um, it gets confusing because there's different comic lines. Um, sometimes they separate the, the different series, like the Jenica series. Um, and it, get, it just gets really complicated and really messy. and I just wish that for me, I, I don't know if it's because I don't have any something switched on or whatever, but it, it just doesn't show up in my recently purchased, which is kind of irritating. I mean I, I, I refresh it. After I make the purchase, I refresh it. I refresh it. or it, it's nothing. I mean, it's it's nothing. So, yeah, it's just a little complicated. I mean, it's just a little inconvenient to to get. Yeah, that's uh, to download the copy, you know.
1: Yeah, that's kind of weird because I have no issues when I buy stuff through IDW. I go on the website, then I open the app, and it's right there in my books, and I just download it, and I'm good to go. <laughs> like the total opposite of the Ninja Turtles or the IDW app. So it's yeah, I've had a good experience with it. That's the other thing about the IDW app right now, where in your my book section, it's all out of order. This random issues just there, but they're not in any they're not in any sequence as far as the number of issues, and that they're all scattered about. So I can't even know for sure what issues I'm missing unless I spend like a, a few hours going through what's there and then figuring out what's not there. It's like I can't sort it anywhere. It's just really annoying and frustrating. I wish they wouldn't have launched it until they got some of the basic features you would expect on a comic app worked out to where you yeah. can at least sort your books to put them in some kind of order so you know what's missing and what's, what you do have
2: yeah and another irritating a, thing is um, it's 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 such a small nitpick but I mean it's first world problems right and it's like uh, but anyway it's like let's uh, say you buy a, a, issue, a single issue of a comic book and then you finish the story but at the end they have notes or they have uh variant covers, cover yeah. arts, uh in the in the back of the book. And then but but you finish the story itself, all thirty pages in the story itself or whatever. And then you you go back, then let's say you delete it from your, your phone or your iPad or whatever. It still shows um on your uh uh still reading section of your uh <laughs> of of, of your full uh, of of your app and it gets really confusing especially if you're still reading a certain book because uh, that gets pushed to the back and the one you recently finished is still in the front because you didn't complete it you didn't get to that last (laughs) Uh, page technically right so yeah that's a little irritating so just a little (laughs) nitpick yeah
1: well, now we got all of it fixed out of the yeah. way. <laughs> Not regards to the issue itself, but how we read it. Okay. Um, yeah, So, Dan, I'll let you start with this one. What did you think of issue three of The Last Ronin?
2: Uh, I didn't like it, Tim. It was all right, awful. I figured, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, don't don't review read over. It. Don't read it. Yeah. <laughs> Zero <laughs> <out of> five. <laughs> uh, no, I loved it. Uh, but, but why don't you go first? Because um, I, I, I kind of want to say something at the end. Okay.
1: <laughs> Yeah, Well, for this one, like you said, just another great continuation of the story and it's making this series such a must-read. Just Not even if you're a Ninja Turtles fan, but just a comic book fan. This is so good. But I will say it didn't quite reach the heights of I thought issue two did. And that was almost an impossible task in itself. But uh, I'll get to exactly why. This is more, I guess, like a fanboy nitpick, which I'll get to. But I did love how it starts where we just get kind of a flashback of Oroko Hiroto Accepting leadership of the Foot Clan, and how originally, once we get this flashback of him kind of being appointed appointed leader, how he wanted to have peace with the Hamato Clan and to kind of put away this year, so many years of this feud they've had between the two families, and that that got me interesting as far as thinking, okay, what's going to happen? How does this all go down? How does it go sour? Who turns on who? Like, what made them? get to the point where we see the last Ronin begin at the beginning of the story and we don't know exactly how just yet but I am hoping it is something that's more than him just being wanting to set up this peace meeting between the two clans and him just being betraying them and all along his intentions were to do away with the Hamato clan but as he was setting up this meeting to broker peace so I'm hoping there's something a little more to it where something actually happened that made him do this where I hope his true intentions were for peace, but something made him change his mind, and we just don't know what that is yet. but it was a great start to the issue, and just then seeing how awful things are in the present, where he just ordering martial law over New York and telling anyone to turn over Michelangelo if they know where he's at because he's a fugitive and anyone who harbors him would be killed. So all that stuff going on in the city in the present time. but I did like how we saw where things started with him taking over the foot Clan. And then, of course, we get another great moment back at the lair with Mikey talking to, in his head, his brothers. And that's always a favorite. one of my favorite parts of this, every issue, just seeing the conversation Mikey is going to have with Leo, Raph, and Don in his head as if they were really there. And just the way it's laid out and brought into the story and the way they're talking, it's done so brilliantly. And again, I just love how it's just showing the state of mind that Mikey is in at this point in his life. And so where the last issue left off with April revealing she still had the head of the fugitoid she is now revealing that to Michelangelo and he's kind of surprised that they still have it and it was like I think Michelangelo said it's time to I guess we finally need to catch up <laughs> and even though it's going to be kind of hard for them to relive what happened we get a look as far as to see how everything got to the point where there are now and This is what I was really excited about this issue to see this flashback sequence, because the flashbacks, in my opinion, are the highlights of the story so far. Just seeing what happened to all the different turtles um, to have them be no longer with us in this current timeline. And with the cover of this issue with Casey Jones mask and Leonardo's katana over this pile of rubble and destruction, you know, this is going to be the issue where we find out what happened to Leo and Casey Jones. And I was excited to learn that. As Leonardo being my favorite turtle, I just wanted to see how he would go out. And this is the moment here for I'm going to be a little nitpicky where I wasn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't happy with it or wasn't done well. I would just wish I was, ho- I was hoping for something a little different because what how Raph went out just fits so well with the character in issue two. And with Leonardo, I was kind of hoping something where he would make the ultimate sacrifice to protect his brothers, his team. Um, and kind of go down in this last stand, the blaze of glory type scenario where he's just taking down all these members of the foot, these Mousers that Baxter Stockman has sent out to retrieve the head of the fugitoid. And he, him and Casey, we're going to make this last stand and we kind of get that. And we see a little bit of Leo kind of showing, um, uh, just how great he is taking down this new and improved foot soldiers. Some of them not even being human and robots and just showing how lethal he can be. Um, but we didn't get enough of that. Not like where we showed the show with Rath in the first or the second issue, which was just great. And it turns out where him and Casey tell April and Mikey to make their escape with the Fugitoid while they hold off the foot soldiers. And Baxter Stockman sends a bunch of Mausers there to hopefully retrieve it. But once he realizes he can't have the Fugitoid's head, he kind of says, If no one if I can't have it, no one can. And he just sets off this big explosion. That pretty much destroys their headquarters. And it's presumably almost everyone in it except Michelangelo in April, obviously. But after the explosion, we see Casey's helmet hanging off the chimney, Leo's katana, so just in the midst of some debris, showing that they didn't survive. And that's the part where I felt not kind of how I pictured Leo going out, just kind of caught in the in an explosion unexpectedly. Um so it was like i said nothing that's horrible it's just i was hoping leo to go out (laughs) more to kind of plays a glory kind kind of scenario protecting his family and his brothers like he always does knowing that he felt that they're his responsibility to protect and he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice to do it and technically he did but just played out a little differently than i was hoping but again a minor nitpick right there but still great flashback sequence but Another aspect of the series that's so great, once we get another flashback sequence with uh, Mikey and April, it just kind of showing how April dealt with surviving that blast and just kind of her life being torn apart there. And kind of like how we saw with Mikey in issue two, showing how um, the state of mind he was in after that disaster. It was drawn by Kevin Eastman in his classic original art style for those early Mirage comics. And I was wondering if that was just going to be something they did for the second issue or if it will continue throughout the course of this series whenever we get a flashback focusing on a certain character and how they're dealing with the situation. And I'm more than happy (laughs) that it's continuing in this issue. But this time, we're focusing on April and just seeing what she had to go through in surviving this ordeal, not only physically, but mentally, too. Just like I said, having her whole world be torn apart. Her husband and Casey, her family with the turtles and Splinter, and to find out that she's pregnant through all this, too, is just a really good look at the state of mind of April, and what, how she got through this. And again, the way that it's drawn in Kevin, by Kevin Eastman in his art style, I just think is such a great touch and just such a great thing about this story, showing kind of the psyche and the mental state of these characters and as they're dealing with this trauma that they went through. So just more great stuff and a great insight to what April had to go through and just showing how she's trying to rise above all that. And then also, too, another standout point was um, we get to see Oroko Hiroto Hiroto kind of showing what his mental state is just how he doesn't seem to be mentally all there where he's on that rooftop saying um, how everyone should be praising him, viewing him as a god, how he's shredder superior, how he was born for this. And he keeps talking like he's almost like a madman with this maniacal laugh. And he could tell like he's having some conflict in his head, too. Um, kind of showing blame on his mother that she left him, but let, left him in charge of a foot. He's asking why, why is that the case? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they explore more his mental stability here. And that plays into what I was talking about in the beginning, where he went from someone who wanted peace with the Hamado clan to kind of wiping them out. So it'll be curious to see what gets revealed as far as his character goes in the, the next two issues before the series is over with. And then the issue ends with um april her daughter casey and mikey kind of really realizing they need to make this one last stand and attack against the foot but mikey is not convinced he thinks it's just a death wish the resistance fighters aren't prepared but then april shows them one last thing in this kind of <laughs> garage armory that she has where she has this like suited up armored turtle band that just <laughs> is ready for action almost similar to uh, the Dark Knight Returns Batmobile a little bit. <laughs> it just said it's something to help even the odds a little bit. So it just looks really cool. And that's where the issue ended. So, yeah, just more great stuff with the characters here. Great artwork, great layouts. Just so much great stuff about this story. Again, just a minor nitpick I had was how Leo and Casey went out. Right? But that's more of a fanboy <laughs> nitpick with me. With Leonardo being my favorite turtle. And I'm just hoping it was, he went out a different way. So another really solid issue here. I loved it. Um, I'm going to give it four out of five seconds that Dane had to wait to get one word in before Tim stopped talking about Batman, the Cape Crusader.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, so, so, we, uh, both of us got new cars and so did, uh, April. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just an episode about getting new cards. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. the theme here. <laughs>
2: um, I really like, loved it. Um, uh, I do I, I do agree with you, but I also disagree with you about the, the Leo <laughs> and Casey uh, death scene. Uh, one thing I really like about these books so far is that the turtle deaths <laughs> is bit it's just a thing that happens. You know, it's not like this big romanticized thing. It's just like, okay, he's there, mm. he's dead, right? And that's where, That's how they died. That's how Casey died. That's how Raf died. That's how Leo died, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the on the flip side, sort of, sort of way of thinking, it's like, yeah, I think Leo, being the the leader of the turtles, should have had like a, a, a more epic death, but like he he did die a hero, right? He, he yeah, was trying to all the monsters, um, with Casey, um, and again, I I just like how it's it's just a, a sort of thing that happens that that doesn't really it doesn't have that that sort of romantic feel to it. It's just like a one and done sort of thing, and then they're dead, and then you know it's now it's only Splinter, Mike, Mikey, and uh. Son, right it i mean that that's pretty much it in april um i I just really like that aspect to it, but yeah, I do agree with you, but I disagree with you <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah i i just love where this story is going i i am trying to get into uh Casey, Casey junior's uh <laughs> story Casey Marie, I think her name is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, i'm I'm trying to get into her story but it's not really hitting um i really like the the, uh, uh, oroku kirota (laughs) uh, uh, story i i just like how he's just like this mad king uh he's he's going crazy but yes he still has some of that humanity left like you said um yeah, I I just want to see more of this. I, I just I, the 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 waits are so long, Tim. I know it's that's the worst so point. <laughs> long. Like, how how much longer are we gonna to have to wait for for issue number four? Is it gonna be four months for issue number four?
1: <laughs> oh, I it's not that long. I don't think they have a set release date yet. Yeah, but yeah, I I
2: I love where the story is going. I I, I like. How we we don't really get a sort of story about what happened to uh, uh, Bastard mm, Yeah, I like, just got shows like, up. <laughs> yeah, I like how it, it looks like he went crazy on trying to hunt the turtles or whatever he's trying to do. Uh He's like sitting in his house. You know, in like a, a Professor X wheelchair. <laughs> uh, he he looks overweight and he's just wearing a T-shirt, you know, compared to like, like you look at the comics, he's either wearing a suit or he's in his, uh, his white uh, doctor's jacket. Um, but yeah, I, I like that sort of switch that he sort of had. Um, I wonder if they're going to get more into his story. Um, one thing I do really, really like that nobody really talks about is the um, the art changes, right? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Kevin Eastman one, but there, there's two other artists that work yeah. on the book. You know, there, there's the past one, the recent past, where the, tur- the turtle death scenes and what happened to turtles, you know, is told. And then there's that sort of hyper-realistic sort of, we're in this time period, this is the now... Sort of art style. I really like the artistic changes between all three art uh, artists. Uh, and I mean, I I am so in love with the the Kevin Eastman parts. It's it's so so good. I mean, it's yeah. like that sort of that indie rough sort of look that uh, you see in those original comics, which I finally dive into uh, nice. and I'm loving so far. I like how the turtles kill people. <laughs> they so that kill, first Shredder. Issue, right? <laughs> kill Shredder in the first issue. Leo with his katanas, um, which is really great, um, and it's really dark. So, so, sort of in the sense of the Last Ronin, and I, I can sort of see the connection. You know, you know, following the the, the Eastman and Laird. Series and then jumping to the last Ronin, um, I can sort of see it as a conclusion of that story arc, mm-hmm. you know, which is has sort of made me appreciate those older comics and the last Ronin or what they're trying to do with the last Ronin even more. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I just can't wait to see where this, where this story goes. It's just, it just sucks that we have to wait so long for. Him.
1: I know. Now, I have a small theory. I'm not sure if you'd agree with this, but I kind of have a feeling that it's going to get revealed that either both Splinter and Donatello are actually still alive or one of them is dead and one of them still alive. I just have a feeling both of them are not dead just because they were on that stealth jet to um, to Japan to kind of broker that piece. And Mikey mentions how we just kind of just lost contact with them and maybe just assume that they were dead, or maybe I missed something, but I got the impression that it's kind of still left open in the air where we don't know their fate just yet. I know if you look at the cover tease for the next issue, you see Donnie's bow staff, and the books that Splinter had just kind of on on a snow-covered field with some blood on there, kind of how this issue featured Casey's mask and Leo's katana, showing that this was the issue that showed their deaths. Issue four is going to show Donnie and Splinter's, but... I think we're going to be throwing a curveball where one of them is still alive and they're going to play a factor into the final, maybe the final issue of this story and see how uh, they defeat her, the, the foot and how Mikey deals with that. So I just have a feeling he's going, a curveball is going to be thrown in there where not all the Turtles and Splinter are dead. That one of them will be back. I don't know if you got that impression, Dane, but that's kind of I could maybe think something like that play out once we get to the final two issues.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Because I can imagine both of them faking their own deaths or something. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Donnie going off and, you know, just doing his tech stuff or writing a science fiction novel, which is <laughs> uh, what I really want to see. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I, I can also see Splinter sort of going off into the mountains and meditating for the rest of his life. You know, mm. I, can, I can sort of see both of them. Um, I don't think they they defeated the the foot plan in Japan. Mm.
3: Uh,
2: What would be an interesting twist is if they had a moment of cowardice or something, Mm. you know, in the sense of like, uh, we see what's going down, uh, what's happening in New York. We see what's happening in Japan. So one of them or both of them or whatever, they decide to just hide um, I know it's not as heroic as one would think, but yeah, I could sort of, kind of see that as a reality. It, you know, being based in reality, sort of thing, where it's like, yeah, maybe we don't want to risk our lives and die for this. You know, maybe it's not worth it. Um, I have a hard time know, thinking that I, would
1: be the case with Splinter. Splinter's still alive. Yeah, <laughs> about
2: that. I mean, I, I know, I know we have this blood feud, but maybe that's not exactly healthy and maybe that's not exactly what we need and and you can sort of see it more in Donnie's way because like it's like this is my father's fight sort of thing and mm. maybe maybe we should sort of like end it and not be involved in this anymore or maybe I don't want to be involved in yeah. this anymore
1: you know, maybe somewhere like Splinter is near death and all this time Donnie's been trying to keep him keep him alive it's like Oh, last we want to save the Hamato clan type thing. And maybe he thinks all of his other brothers are dead. He doesn't know Mikey's still alive. And he's maybe focusing on making sure his last family, Splinter, is still kept alive or something to that yeah. effect. So why maybe they haven't shown themselves just yet. So, I don't know. It's just a hunch I have that I don't... I think we're going to see another turtle here. <laughs> I just don't think it's only going to be Mikey. Hmm.
2: Why you got me thinking, Tim? Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> that's really interesting. That's like... Or like, 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 what if, what if, what if Donnie had to kill Splinter? Oh man! You know? <laughs> like, 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 maybe the Splinter wants to increase the war or like uh, continue the war, and Donnie doesn't want to do that. They end up fighting, and then Splinter dies because he's already old, and you know he's been close to death. You know, as we saw during the th- Thanksgiving scene in the first issue. So.
1: Man, that would talking about a twist. I don't yeah. know how well that would go. <laughs> no, that would a, not go. That, that was, not was a really compelling reason why that would happen. <laughs> yeah, but it would be
2: interesting if they did take that route yeah. because like you would never expect it. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we got plenty of time to speculate, that's for sure. <laughs> Until yeah. <the> next issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what would you score it?
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to give it Four out of five, like you did. Four out of five minutes that I have to wait or tend to be done talking about the animated <laughs> series, just so I can get in one word that's saying, uh, saying it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, that quite, I think we gave, I know I gave the last issue a five out of five. I might have given the first one a five or a four and a half, but this one's just a little bit below it. But again, that's thing to take away from this how great the series has been every issue. It's it's already a TMT classic. I just cannot wait to see how it wraps up which will probably be towards the end of the year, I would imagine. <laughs> Might be our last episode of 2021 to so where we we'll review <laughs> the last issue, knowing, looking at the rate these issues are coming out, you never know.
2: So that or our third episode of 2022. We'll
1: right yeah. <laughs> or who knows, maybe by the time we're finished with the Fellowship of the Ring commentary. So, <laughs>
2: oh, okay, that's him. Uh, I know, I oh. won't go that far. <laughs>
3: um...
2: What was I going to say? Oh, well, I, I wonder how big of a role is going to play. Like, Is he just going to be yeah. like the guy that they used to take down the defenses, or is there something mm. else? You
1: know? Yeah, well, I'm sure he'll play a role in Baxter Stock when getting, probably, <laughs> reintroducing the current time period, so maybe they'll have to yeah. deal with him as well. That's the whole reason why they don't even want to turn him on. <laughs> yeah. So, But yeah, I'm sure he'll play some type of role in defeating. Well, that's the thing, we all assume that the good guys are gonna win and they're gonna defeat the foot. But looking at how bleak things have been in this story so far, we can't assume that <laughs> that they're just gonna win. It might be a small victory, but maybe it's not a full victory, like we're kind of kind of hoping. So kind of gotta be prepared for anything with this story so far and how things are going. Do you think uh Mikey's gonna die? That's possible. I mean, yeah, it could be some like if my theory gets shot down and the turtles, all three of them really are dead, it could be something where Mikey wants to be at peace and join his brothers again type of scenario and we sure. do see him die at the end i could totally see that happening as well
3: yeah it yeah, be a bummer <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny we'll see how this one ends but if you notice several different turtles adaptions that have an ending none of them end well like the 2012 series had a bleak just kind of depressing ending for all the turtles and i believe even like the original plan for like the Mirage one kind of had like a feature type story where it showed the ending of the turtles, which wasn't a happy one either. So like when sometimes yeah. when you get these endings stories for a certain turtle adaptation, doesn't usually end well for them, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> or
2: at least it ends in them splitting up.
1: Right? Oh, yeah, or they're not them not being the same. <laughs> right. Like something happens.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: But we shall see with this one. Yeah. But with that, that's going to do it for this episode. A fun one to have a lot of stuff to catch on, catch up on and talk about. And as always, uh, great to have a- another issue of The Last Rowland to talk about to end the episode on. So with that, I'll throw it to you, Dane, for the outro.
2: Okay, you just go to batmanuniverse.net, facebook.com slash batmanuniverse, Twitter handles at Batman Universe. Show Twitter handles at podcast. Tim's Twitter handles at timg311. I'll say it because you know you got a brand new car and everything.
1: <laughs> a lot um, to celebrate. My Twitter
2: handles at Dan Chris Rate your list on iTunes and you can email us at podcast at gmail dot com. So that we see at the end of every single episode, Tim,
1: we love each and every one of you even with our sometimes depressed, sad, Ninja Turtle ending (laughs) (laughs) parts. Oh, that's a good (laughs) one. We'll see you guys next
2: time.
1: See you next time, everybody.